0: All right, well, Job 28, if you would, this morning. Uh, Last week, we answered Bildad's question in Job 25, how then can man be justified with God? And, of course, we know the answer is found in the finished work of Christ. It's through Him that we can be justified, much more than being now justified by His blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him, and we understand that therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can be justified before God in Christ. You know, what a blessing that is. And we briefly, or or we kind of looked at remembering the awesomeness of God during adversity. And Job uh, has a description uh, in chapter 26 about some great things that, that God has done, and and I, I, I made a comment, something to the effect of the Bible is important and we need to be in it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of questions in this life and the Bible has the answers to them. Right. Uh, even scientific questions. Uh, where the earth came from in those things. God just hung it out there. And uh, that, that answer was in the book of Job well before a lot of these geniuses of today have come up with their thoughts and ideas and uh, <clears throat> in verse, 20, or verse 12 in, in, in chapter 28, let me get there. Let's, let's read this verse quickly uh, as we make some introductory thoughts. And it says, uh, but where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? And so uh, this here is Job after he's responding to Bildad's last uh, discourse in, in chapter 8. He asks the question, where... Uh, can wisdom be found? And later on in chapter 28, he answers that. Look at verse 28. 28, 28, and unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And apart from evil is understanding. And so um, when we talk about that idea of the awesomeness of God, and we looked how God created things from nothing. And sometimes we can't understand that. We don't perceive that because... Uh, the things that are, we don't, we don't really understand. Um, and here, it says the fear of the Lord, and no English word really fully translates the Hebrew word here. Uh, it's not referring to fear and trembling in horror because of a God. Uh, but it's a loving awe, a reverence, or a submission to God. It's not a fear that par- paralyzes, is what I'm getting at. Right. Um, <clears throat> it is a reverence and awe that energizes us. Understanding the awesomeness and the goodness of God, the fact that we can be justified in Christ, uh, ought to energize us to do uh, or to continue on. And so now today we'll continue to the idea of remembering adversity as we look at the idea of ceasing to remember the good old days. In chapter 29 and 30, we'll be looking primarily at there's some, I have some thoughts on chapter 31. Uh, We'll see where the Lord leads this morning Uh, We may circle back later on uh, next week on chapter 31 again, uh, depending on how the Lord leads. But um, I've just felt a burden for some things, and we'll see what the Lord does there. But uh, before I get ahead of myself, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll look at a few things here in the book of Job. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, what a privilege it is to serve you. And Lord, we thank you for your great love toward us, that you would send Christ to die in our place that we might be justified and, Lord, reconciled to you. And so, Father, this morning we pray that as we gather around your word in this place that you would touch hearts and move in lives. Lord, you know the needs of each one here. You know the circumstances of their life. You know where they're at. And, Father, we just pray that you would just bless. I pray that nobody would leave this place in this Sunday school hour having not heard from you. Father, do only what you can in the hearts of your people, and we'll give you the glory for all of it. And Father, we do thank you, Lord, for Friday, and and Lord, it was disappointing that I couldn't have been here, but Lord, it sounds like a great report, and the things that I saw online in the live stream were were encouraging, and so Father, we thank you for the work that you accomplished Friday, and I pray, Lord, you just continue to work in the heart of our graduates. Lord, I pray that they would be yielding to you, and Lord, that you would guide and direct them, and Father, bless their lives as they go forward for you. Lord, I pray you keep a hedge of protection about them, Lord, to watch over them. And I pray, Lord, that you just help us to be the parents and, and the influences, uh, the mentors that you would have us to be. And Father, now we pray for your Holy Spirit filling on this hour. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we're going to look here in, in chapter 29. And in this section, Job longs for the good old days. Uh, We need to be careful about longing for the good old days. The reality is they're probably not as good as we remember them. Um, Oftentimes we neglect to recognize uh, the negative things that were taking place. Listen, we complain every day, do we not? We are a complaining people. Yet we look back and go, man, it was so great. Then why are you complaining today? So, just a thought. That's extra. It wasn't in my notes. Look at Job 29. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when His candle shined upon my head, and when by His light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, when I washed my steps with butter and... The rock poured me out, rivers of oil. When I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace, and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, when it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and and him that uh, had none to help him the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me and i caused the widow's heart to sing for joy i put on righteousness and it clothed me my judgment was as a robe and a diadem i was eyes to the blind and feet was i to the lame i was a father to the poor and the cause which i knew not i searched out i break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil of his teeth then i said i shall die in my nest and i shall multiply my days as the sand My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory was fresh in me, and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave ear, and waited, and kept silence at my counsel. After my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. And they waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. If I laughed on them, they believed it not, and the light on my countenance they cast not down. I chose out their way, and sat chief and dwelt as a king in the army and one that comforteth the mourners, and we'll stop there and finishing up reading. So he goes back in a nostalgic manner and kind of gives account of days gone by, talking about the prosperity in his children, and he enjoyed God's favor in his life. Uh, those are good memories. Uh, oftentimes I do think on those things. Uh, but he, he gives a contrast between what he was and what he is, uh, between his condition and in the period of his prosperity and that which he has been reduced to by his affliction. If we, if we read through 30, we'll look at some of those things in a moment. So he was contrasting what it was and what it is and how he felt about that. Look at verse 5 in chapter uh, 29. It says, when the Almighty was yet with me. Remember, we've talked about how Job doesn't feel the presence of God in his life right now. He just feels affliction and, and, and distress and, and really discouragement to some extent. And, uh, and I, I know for me, when I don't feel the presence of God, that's concerning. Amen. And how difficult that must have been for Job in, in the many days, the many moons, we might say, where he just didn't feel like God was there. Uh, And again, I want to remind you, just because we don't feel like God is there doesn't mean He's not. He's not forsaken us. Uh, He's not going to abandon you and and leave you desolate. He has obligated Himself to take care of His people. Uh, But Job here is just yearning for the time when he would go into the gates of the city. In chapter 30, well, let's read chapter 30. Uh, but now they that are younger than I have me in derision, whose fathers I have uh, disdained to have set with the dogs of my, with, of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me, in whom old age was perished. For want and famine uh, they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bushes and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven <clears throat> forth from among men, they cried after them. Excuse me, as after a thief, to dwell in the cliffs of the valleys and caves of the earth and in the rocks, among the bushes they braid, under the nettles they were gathered together, they are children of fools, yea, children of base men. they were viler than the earth. And now am I their song, Yea, I am their byword. They abhor me, they flee far from me, and spare not a spit on my face, because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth, and they push away my feet, and they raise up against me the ways of their destruction. They mar my path, they set forward my calamity. They have no helper. They came upon me as the wide breaking in the waters. In the desolation they rolled themselves upon me. Terrors are turned upon me, they pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passeth away as a cloud. And now my soul is poured out upon me, and the days of affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinew take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed, that bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. With the strong hand thou opposest thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind, thou... Causes me to ride upon it and dissolveth my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death into the house appointed for all living. How be it he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Did I not weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun, I stood up and I cried in the congregation. I am brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me, and my bones are burned that heat were with heat. My harp also is turned into mourning, and my organ into the voice of them that weep. And so we see the great contrast that, that Job is, is giving us here. He was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. Uh He broke the jaws of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. And uh, he was a good man. And those were the good old days. Life was good. Uh, You're on top of the mountain, if you will. Uh, All is good. No trouble. So in our affliction, we often yearn for the good old days. We often yearn to look back and and where were those things that, uh, why isn't God doing that today? Living in the past often seems very desirable. Uh, Spoiler alert, God doesn't want us to do that, though. Um, And and we'll get to that here in a moment. Our memories can often play tricks on us. We often think of only the good things that were taking place in the past. We are sometimes like the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness, are we Not? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They had cried to their God to deliver them. And here they are in the wilderness desiring to go back to Egypt. Seems kind of foolish. How do they complain to Moses and tell him they want to go back to the good old days? Look at Numbers 11.5 if you would. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers. I like cucumbers, especially when they're pickled. And the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. I don't care so much for the garlic. It gives you dragon breath. As the people of Israel reminisced, they had forgotten they were slaves. They did not remember making brick without straw. Pretty challenging. Uh, The taskmasters and the whips. uh, The bondage that they were in. Uh, Somehow, in our current affliction, we forget what it was like truly in the past. And we need to be careful about reminiscing and, and hoping for those days. They forgot the slaughter of their babies. All the males. You guys remember that? I'm getting some blank stares. You guys ever read the Bible? Just kidding. But listen, sometimes we often think back to the fond memories of the good old days and we forget the reality of what was taking place in our lives at those times. And we need to be careful. Oftentimes we censor the negative out of the the past. We censor the suffering and the adversity that we were facing in those times. Because, boy, today is so miserable uh, but you think about it, the good old days, I've heard people, I want to go back to the good old days. You know what? I'm thankful that I don't have to use a covered wagon to get to Sioux Falls and back. I would have never made that trip, by the way, in 10 hours or less. Because I have modern conveniences of, of, of vehicles. I mean, I guess we could have flown and even got there quicker if we wanted to. But there's a lot of hardship in the good old days as well, is what I'm saying. Look at what Job says in, in thir- verse 31 in chapter 30. It says, My harp also has turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. And, and so he's just looking back at these good old days and he's like, Now I'm just miserable. Uh, the harp and the organ or, or some type of a, a wind instrument, uh, the organ here, if you look at it, uh, it, it has the idea of a pipe. And so I don't know if it was a flute or some other type of instrument. I'm not a music person, so I'll leave that to them. Um, but these are often symbols of happiness and rejoicing. The harp and, and, and the organ. But Job is in adversity now when it's turned it to mourning and to weeping. He's miserable. Look at verse 31. My harp also turned to the mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. In verse 28 it says, I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and cried. excuse me, in the congregation. And and listen, uh, he's miserable today. He just wants the good old days. Uh, And certainly we understand, we we know what took place in the life of Job, and and he did live in better days. He is in affliction. God has allowed Satan uh, to ruin his life, we would say. Uh, But we need to be careful on looking back on those things and because it can distract us from what God wants us to do today. In chapter 31, forgive me if this seems disjointed, I think we're going to come back to this uh, maybe next week, but I I still want to make some application in this idea of remembering uh, the good old days. But Job here really kind of gives a, uh, he conducts a personal inventory of his life here. And, Uh, he begins this chapter by insisting he has made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully upon a a young woman. Let's read uh, the first few verses here in chapter 31. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there from above and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance, that God may know mine integrity. And so he begins to conduct what I would call a personal inventory. And he said he's kept himself pure. So much so that he won't think upon a maid. And that's That's wise. I don't think I have to convince any man in here that that can be a problem. And this is where we may come back to this next week. I think there's some value in this, but um, I I'm just want the Lord's leading. The reality is we can damage our marriages with improper relationships. And today it doesn't even have to be a physical relationship. It could be improper images on our cell phone. Or those things. And, and I, don't, I don't want to labor there. but And that's not to relieve the ladies from all responsibility either. Proverbs 6, 24, 25, and 26. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. Neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a horse woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And so there's responsibility on both sides of this. And uh, listen, ladies, you should, ought not be batting at your eyes at anybody but your husband. Right. Um, the idea of capturing a man with her eyelids, kind of the idea of flirting with her eyes. Listen, it's one thing to see and admire a physically attractive person. And it's a whole other thing uh, to look upon that purpose for lusting. Uh, our Savior calls that adultery, by the way. If you would look upon somebody to lust after them, that's adultery. Uh, But I'm afraid we don't take it serious because it's not the physical act. We just kind of pass by it. But the reality is I think there's a lot of marriages that are hurting because of this. Primarily on the men's side of this. Uh, They're committing adultery without even physically being with another person. And they kind of justify it because I haven't done anything. But I'm telling you, you're doing damage to your marriage. Listen, when you become one flesh, the wife knows it creates division. Uh, it, it creates challenges in your marriage that you wouldn't have otherwise. We need to be careful. Martin Luther said this, I can't keep birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from nesting in my hair. Listen, some, we live in a society where stuff is just readily available. And listen, it's openly acceptable to be inappropriate with another man's husband. But it's unacceptable in the eyes of God. So when we talk about this, it goes both ways for the men and the women. I don't want to be too hard on the men, but the reality is men are usually the idiots most of the time. Listen, I, I'm going to get bogged I try not to get bogged down. I just trust the Lord's leading here. Listen, man, if you're looking for something somewhere other than your wife, it's creating division. Yep. And your wife is going to sense that. I, I promise you she will. Because you're not 100% together. You're being distracted and led astray. Listen, a man cannot take fire in his bosom and not be burned, the Word of God tells us. Proverbs 6. And, and so what I'm telling you is it creates a division in your marriage. And then you get all cranky because your wife is being friends with some other guy. Well, you're not meeting her emotional needs. We can argue about the physical needs. Maybe the wife isn't doing that. Listen, uh, you're responsible for your actions. And listen, if we're both doing the right thing, sunshine and butterflies, as I say, life is good. Uh, Listen, uh, this morning, I just want to tell you, we need to be careful in this area. Job says this in verse 4, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? And Job says, God sees it all. Anyway, uh, God's keeping account of what's taking place in my life. Uh, he is not guilty of any deceit. Look at verses 5 and 6. If I have walked with vanity or my feet have hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. So he's, he's committing himself to God. He said, I've done the right thing. Uh, I have done my best to honor God with my life. Uh, He goes on in verses 9 through 12, and in my heart have been, uh, if mine heart have been deceived by a woman or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, says, then let my wife grind into another and let uh, others bow down upon her for this is a heinous crime. Yea, is an iniquity punished by the judges. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would not and would root out all mine increase. Job saying, I have been upright. So much so that there's no just reason for his wife to go with, to be with another person. I've been faithful. If I had not been, surely let her go. And other men can be intimate with her. There's no grounds for my wife to seek satisfaction anywhere but in our relationship. Job was, he said, God is my judge. I'll be weighed by God. Put me in the balances. I've had the utmost of integrity. But Job goes on here and he carefully examines his business life. Verses 13 and, and through 15, If I despise the cause of my manservant or my maidservant, when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up? And when he visiteth, what uh, shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? And so he, he's talking about his business dealings. He goes on here in that chapter. That Job has said he's done the right thing. He's, he's honored God with his life. And I, I think one of the most revealing passages in this the book shows Job's attitude and action towards his enemies. Uh, oftentimes it's easy to do good to those that treat us well. Right. Uh, but Job even did right by those that despised him and hated him, his enemies. Uh, he didn't rejoice at the destruction of them. Look at verses 29 and, and 30. Well, that's not the right one. Maybe chapter 31. Sorry, I was in the wrong, wrong chapter. Chapter if I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. And so Job said, I've even done right by my enemy. He's, he's taking account of, of how he's conducted himself and he's done the right thing. The reality is we can't always say that. I know I can't. And since I'm the one up in front of you this morning, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I fail. You know, sometimes my enemy, I I got cut off in traffic yesterday and I wanted to ram his car. How silly. It's a traffic situation. I mean, goodness, how. But listen, if we're not careful, sometimes our, our true nature will come out. The natural man will expose himself. Listen, but Job is taking account of himself, and he's like, I've done the right thing, even with my enemy. Uh, I did not curse him, and, and the idea of curse has the idea of maybe revenge. Uh, verb, certainly didn't verbally condemn uh, others. He didn't curse them, uh, but he was good to the needy. He was good to the poor, to the widow, uh, but he had no bitterness toward his enemies. Can we say that today? Hopefully we don't have any enemies in this place. Job was consistent with the command we get in Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. So Job was upright. He was perfect. We we understand that description that we see uh, in the book of Job here he talks about the stewardship of his land in verses 38 through 40 in chapter 31. It says, If my land cry against me, or that the furrows likewise thereof complain, if I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their uh, their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle instead of barley, the words of Job are ended. I know many of you want my words to be ended, but listen, the land... If it cries out or accuses him of doing wrong, if he has devoured its crops without payment to the tenants, he invites God to curse his land. The bottom line is Job is asserting the fact that he has done right in all areas of life. Uh, he's trying to honor God with his life. And uh, here's why I want to make the application today. The Apostle Paul gives an example of what to do with our past. Uh, we ought to forsake all worldly accomplishments and tra- press toward the mark. Yeah. Philippians three thirteen and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So listen, whether it was difficult days in the past or whether it was... Days of accomplishment, the Apostle Paul gives his, I guess you would say, pedigree prior to these verses. And talking about uh, his, his uh, stature in society and all of the things that he had uh, accomplished in this life. And we know he counted them but dumb. But listen today, I want to tell you, we don't, don't rest in the past. Listen, whether that's difficult past days or whether that's great past days like Job describes where he was living for God. He was walking with God. He had, he had conducted himself in such a way that was honoring to God, so much so that he was willing to be weighed in the balances of God's court, really without reservation that we see here. And so the Apostle Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. This morning there are things before us. Boy, this is, it wasn't planned. This is good for graduates. God wants to accomplish something with you in this life. Amen. That word there—it says he. The Apostle Paul says he presses. It means to urge or strain in motion. Look at what it says: to urge forward with force, to press. It's not accidentally going to happen. The Apostle Paul chose to forget those things. Chose for they get the accomplishments. Chose to forget all of the things that he suffered. We know the Apostle Paul suffered much. All of those things. He's going to put all those things behind. Why? To continue to press forward for the cause of Christ. God has called him to do something greater. And we're not going to be able to do that if we just sit here and think about the good old days. Boy, I remember when the church, such and such. Boy, I remember when it seemed like God was doing such and such. That's of no value. What does God want you to do today? What has God called you to accomplish for him today? There's no retirement in the Christian life. Thank God there's retirement from the United States Air Force. But God has called us to a work in which there is no retirement until we get to glory. And so every day that we come into this or that we wake up and our hearts beating and our lungs are functioning, God has something that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. And so we need to press in that direction. I pressed toward the mark as he who was running a race. The Christian life is often looked at in view of a race. The mark means the object set up at a distance at which one looks or aims. The mark oftentimes was the finish line. The mark at the end of the race. And hence the goal, really. And which was to be reached in order that the prize might be won. Here it means that which is at the end of the Christian race when we get to glory. Listen, we ought to be pressing toward the end of that race all of our days without regret, without looking back. Listen, regardless of circumstances and suffering, affliction, or great accomplishments in this life, we must not allow the things of this life to distract us from pressing on for God. We can get content and rest in the old days, the good old days. We need to be careful. And so here, this statement at the end of uh, Job, chapter 31, the words of Job are ended. He finishes with this idea that, boy, I was once good and now I'm miserable, basically, is what he's saying. I want to remind you this morning that I want you to remember Satan wants to use our suffering to separate us from our faith. Don't forget that. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to get down and and trodden and, and start reminiscing in the good old days to distract you from what God wants you to do today. Here's what Satan's goal was. I'll remind you of Job 1.11, but put forth thine hand now. This is Satan speaking to God. Untouch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan's goal is just to discourage you and to get you to deny God. But remember this, God wants us to become more like Christ in our affliction. And don't ever forget, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. God is working through the circumstances that you face today. So this morning, I want you to trust God in hard times as he will work all things together for your good. Think about this. God used the pit and the prison to bring Joseph to prominence. He would have never got to where he was had he not been put in the pit or in the prison. And so whatever you're facing today, you just have to trust that God will work it together. See, we look at individual circumstances and situations and we just wonder, how can God do this? But listen, God's got the master plan and he can work those things together. The pit was necessary, but so was the prison. Boy, setback after setback, what in the world's going on here? Listen, God's bringing some prominence into that. God can bring you out of this better than you were. Of course, we've talked about being tried by fire. Certainly, it must not have felt that way to Joseph at the time. It's discouraging. What's God doing here in my life? But we must continue to wait patiently for the Lord, especially in the times that it seems like he's not there. Job 29.5, when the Almighty was yet with me. Job was thinking about the old days when God was, was with him. It was, Everything was sunshine and butterflies. Listen, God was with Joseph in the prison. God was with Joseph in the pit. And whatever difficulty you're facing today, I promise you, God hasn't forsaken you. You may feel like that, but he has promised to not forsake his people. So just wait patiently and trust in him.